Hello and welcome to another Quantum Podcast. Currently, the COP27 climate conference is underway in Sharm el-Sheikh, city of Egypt, which is in the Sinai Peninsula. It's a beautiful beach resort and uh, about 40,000 people have gathered there. It's a very, very major congregation of people and uh, they comprise uh, all kinds of people, NGOs, journalists, mostly diplomats and world leaders. They are all gathered there to talk about uh, it again, about climate change and what to do in order to mitigate climate change and uh, how to cope up with the deleterious effects of climate change. First of all, we have to know what is this COP27? What is COP anyway? COP expands this conference of parties. Parties? What parties? Political parties? No. Parties means here countries. These countries are parties to a convention called the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, UNFCCC, which came into force in 1994. So COP means it's a conference of all those countries which are signatories to this UNFCCC convention. India, of course, is one of them. There are about 195 countries which are members of uh, UNFCCC, practically covers the entire world. And this is the 27th such meeting that is happening. Some of them are famous ones. For example, the COP15 that happened in 2009 in Copenhagen was a big event. Uh, of course, it ended in a failure because it was expected to result in something substantial and a major agreement. It didn't happen. However, a lot of things got redeemed by 2015 in the COP21 of Paris, which resulted in the now famous Paris Agreement in which all countries agreed to do something about climate change. They agreed on what is called a target of 2 degrees Celsius. So, the target of 2 degrees Celsius was agreed upon and then there was a broad agreement that everybody should work towards a particular goal and then uh, that agreement is divided into several sections, one dealing with finance, one dealing with technology, another dealing with setting of carbon markets and so on and so forth. And then uh, the COP26 of last year that happened in Glasgow, there there were uh, some unfinished agenda of uh, COP21 uh, which gave birth to the Paris Agreement. So that was also done. Uh, the rules for setting up of carbon markets was broadly were broadly agreed upon. And then now what is underway is COP27. Now what is happening in COP27? Experts have described this COP as an implementation COP. That is. It's not expected to result in any major agreement. There is nothing on the agenda to sort of agree upon, come up with a major agreement. Of course, there will be initiatives. We will talk about that in a moment. But uh, there is no major agreement in the offing. Only all these parties are discussing about how to implement what has already been agreed upon, the decisions taken in the earlier COPs. Now, a couple of interesting things have happened. This COP, by the way, formally was inaugurated on the 6th of November, but the actual substantive conference began only on Monday, which is the 7th of November. And uh, the, in the very beginning, a major positive development took place, which is to bring on the table, on the agenda, what is called loss and damage. Now, that brings us to this question, what is loss and damage? Because the entire world is happy that for the first time in 30 years, quote-unquote loss and damage has been brought to the agenda. That is, they have decided to discuss loss and damage. It begs the question, what is loss and damage? Now, broadly, climate action, that is, all the measures that we take against fighting climate change and global warming, all these form broadly into three buckets. One is mitigation, 
the other is adaptation, the third is loss and damage. Mitigation is the collection of efforts, measures that we take to prevent further warming of the globe. These could be like uh, fostering renewable energy, uh, wind and solar and whatever else and uh, measures that uh, curb carbon dioxide emissions like carbon capture and sequestration, it could be electric vehicles, it could be cutting down on fossil fuels, it could be so many things. All these collectively are called mitigation steps. Adaptation refers to all the measures taken to come to terms with the effects of climate change that are already unavoidable. For example, we are going to see a recurrence of heavy storms like the one we saw in Pakistan last month. There are going to be a lot of events like that. There will be heat waves, uh, there will be uh, drying up of uh, some rivers. In fact, I am told that in Ladakh, a few villages have had to be evacuated because there is no drinking water. So, number of deleterious bad effects of climate change are already unavoidable. They will happen sometime or the other in some part of the world or the other. Today, as we speak, we, we, we know the example of Pakistan. Then, as we speak, there is a severe drought going on in Africa, Ethiopia and some other places. Caribbeans have been hit badly by a storm. All these things will happen with even more rigor, even more frequently in the, in the future. And adaptation refers to all the measures that we take in order to cope up with one event when it happens. So, plan in advance. That's called adaptation. And the third is called loss and damage. The third bucket into which all these climate action measures fall into is called loss and damage, which is if a climatic event such as, let's say, a hurricane, a storm already happened, it has flattened, let us say, a township or an island or some region. How to help the people there to get back on their feet? That is, mitigation is to prevent something happen in future. Adaptation is to cope up with something that will happen. And loss and damage is all the steps that we take in advance to plan for what to do after a climate event happens. Now, this loss and damage is very important for everybody indeed, but particularly important for all these small island nations, poor nations, low-lying nations. Could be Bangladesh. Bangladesh is probably not a poor nation anymore, but it's certainly a low-lying nation, very vulnerable to climate change. And experts say some half of the country could be underwater in 50 years. You could see islands disappearing. And only the other day, on the first day of uh, COP27, uh, the Prime Minister of uh, Barbados spoke very eloquently about how his country had to face a very devastating storm very recently. All these things happen. So when some, such things happen, particularly to a poor country, which has no means of getting back on its feet, now what to do? That is the big question. That is loss and damage. And now, you would imagine that uh, something like this would have been high on the agenda of uh, climate talks all these years, but that was not to be because... Uh, well, of intransigence of uh, the developed countries, the rich countries who are, in fact, even they admit, were originally primarily responsible for uh, uh, climate change, for global warming, because for all these 150, 200 years, they developed themselves by unknowingly mucking up the climate. And now, the entire world is affected. They disproportionately benefited by using up uh, you know, by using the carbon space, so to say, they benefited by destroying forests, by bringing in vehicles and so on. They became rich by doing that and 
the poor countries are disproportionately affected by all these actions for which they, they were not responsible for it at all. Now, uh, all these poor countries have been asking for bringing loss and damage onto the table. Let us discuss this. Now, discuss means what? Discuss means please give money, help us. The other day, the Prime Minister of Barbados was made this point that uh, developed countries borrow money at 4%. Developing countries borrow money at 14%. Now, how do you expect a small country which has been hit by a climatic event to borrow money at 14% and try to get back on its feet, try to rehabilitate itself? Very difficult unless something happens, unless there is a transfer of funds from the developed countries to developing countries. That finally has been brought onto the agenda, brought onto the table. Now, let me stress here, it, nothing is decided. What has been decided is to start discussing loss and damage. That is one major event that has happened in the first uh, initial stages of this particular COP. And even that is considered to be a very significant development indeed. And now, a few other questions. What is India doing? Everybody, all of Indians would want to know what is India doing, what India wants. Now, for India, this COP in particular, what would be important is to talk about finance again. There is an article 2.1 of Paris Agreement, 2.1c in particular, talks about finance flows to help developing emerging economies to cope up with the global warming and the effects of climate change. Now, India would want finance flows to be defined properly. And then how much finance? Who is giving? What sort of finance? Is it a loan? Is it a grant? All these things are, are those that India would want decided in this COP. May or may not happen, but that's certainly high on the agenda. And uh, in Copenhagen uh, in 2009, as I said, uh, it was agreed that uh, uh, everybody would collectively create a green climate fund. GCF and all countries will contribute into it and uh, something like, not something like, 100 billion dollars per year would be the mobilization out of fund, out of that fund to developing countries to build themselves up, to fortify themselves against climatic action. Now, unfortunately, perhaps not surprisingly, this has not happened. The contributions into this fund have been very meager, maybe 10-12 billion dollars, which means the developed countries who actually pledged to give money, they have not done so. Every now and then you hear of some country giving a few million dollars here and there, but that amounts to nothing much. So this, it is, this is called 100 billion dollar pledge. Now India would want this 100 billion dollar pledge delivered. Uh, but 100 billion again, even if it is delivered, I must stress, is far, far less than what is required. The enormity of funding required is uh, mind-boggling. Last year, some people may remember that in COP26 in Glasgow, uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi said India would need like a little more than a trillion dollars over the next uh, decade or so to uh, fortify itself against the climatic uh, effects. That's the order of funding required. Now, various numbers are tossed about in various contexts for over various time period, something like 200 trillion dollars are required, would be required for the entire world for the next few decades. That is the amount of money required for climate 
required as climate finance. You know, this could go into so many things. It would go into, for example, um, uh, creating a renewable infrastructure, go, and go into building better roads, better ports that can take a climatic event. It could go into greening of the economy, decarbonizing countries, so on and so forth. Some of it is already happening, but uh, a lot more needs to happen if we have to bring uh, global warming, limit global warming to two, 2 degrees. What is this 2 degrees Celsius? 2 degrees Celsius refers to limiting the increase in average global temperatures by the year 2100 over the average global temperatures as obtained in the so-called pre-industrialization era which roughly refers to the period between 1850 and 1900. Now, you take 1850-1900 as a base, whatever the average temperatures were, and from that, if the world becomes hotter by 2 degrees, we can kind of muddle through and manage. Now, by the way, the world is hotter today by 1.1 degrees. That is, we have only 0.9 degrees of runway left still. But by all reports of experts, including... Um, respectable organizations like the United Nations Environment Program, UNEP. UNEP in particular has been saying this year after year, all the plans of the world, even if fully implemented, will take us well beyond this 2 degrees. It will take us to, if all the countries do everything as they promised, the world will warm by 2.4 degrees over pre-industrialization era in the year 2100. And if countries slip up, it will be 2.6 degrees or, or 3 degrees. Now, common people like us may think that what is this point few degrees here and there? What is the difference between 2.4 and 2.6 or 3? What is the difference anyway between 2 and 3? No, it makes a very, very, very big difference. 100 basis points, maybe 0.1% warming will have its own deleterious effects, which is what we are already seeing, as, as I said. The world is already warm by 1.1 degrees and see what is happening in Pakistan and Ethiopia and all those places. Why? Take California. 65,000 acres have been burnt to a cinder in California. A couple of years back, you had the, the spectacle of this Australia, bushfire in Australia. All these things have already begun to happen. It's not that all these things will happen in the year 2100. In the run-up to that, all deleterious climatic effects have already begun to happen and will happen with increasing frequency and increased increased vigor. So, that is 2 degrees and the world is now taking 2 degrees as... Actually, the world even toyed with the idea of 1.5 degrees which is called ambition. That is, 2 degrees is kind of okay, we will muddle through, but let us try for 1.5 degrees. And today, if you talk in private, most people agree that 1.5 degrees is a paradise lost. You can't achieve it anymore. Why? Even a lot of experts say even 2 degrees is unattainable until something very drastic takes place in the world for which we still have no evidence. Coming back to the point again, what is being discussed, COP27 is loss and damage and then finance will be high on the agenda and it will be driven by India. And uh, within finance, there are so many things happening. Uh, adaptation finance is more important. That is, where do these funds go? Do they go to mitigation? Do they go to adaptation? Do they go to loss and damage? Yes, loss and damage has been taken up now for discussion. Some amount will hopefully be allocated loss and damage, but countries like India would want more adaptation finance. Again, that is not happening. To give an example, last year, South Africa was given $8.5 billion 
as adaptation finance. Not that the money has been given away, but it has been agreed that South Africa will get uh, 8.4 billion dollars. But one would think that South Africa is now richer by 8.4 billion dollars, so they can transition. This money was given for transition from coal. Uh, South Africa is a coal producing nation. It was money was given for transition from coal to renewable energy. Now, if they shut down mines, what will all the poor people who are working in coal mines do? Somebody has to take care of them. Somebody has to fund them, give them money. So, this money is to help South Africa uh, take care of all those people who are affected by this transition in, in this energy transition. This is called Just Energy Transition Partnership, JETP in short. JETP is again a buzzword in uh, climate talks today. Now, believe it or not, of this $8.5 billion, only 4% is grant. All the rest is loans, which means South Africa is simply borrowing money. It has to pay interest on that. It is something like... I drive a car, I knock somebody down and that person stands up and asks me for compensation. I say, okay, I'll give you, how much is it going to cost you for your treatment? Well, it's going to cost me one lakh of rupees. Okay, I'll give you thousand rupees out of my pocket. The rest I will give you as loan. You repay me over a period of time. This is something like that. This is adaptation finance. It's only talking of provision of finance, finance flows, but not grants. Developing countries would want developed countries who again I must stress are primarily responsible for this climate change even they admit it they should pay up they are not paying up and it is a demand of developing countries like India that there should be more adaptation finance and more grants or at least concessional loans for this so these two things are high up on the agenda and of course there are so many other initiatives that will be discussed for example, in Glasgow last year, uh, a bunch of countries agreed, uh, countries that were, uh, that are rich in forest resources agreed that they would do stop deforestation. Uh, it's called Glasgow, De Glasgow Forest Declaration. Uh, they will try to take that forward now. Unfortunately, the bad news there is uh, this time uh, when they try to take that initiative forward, several forest rich countries already have dropped out. They said can't do it anymore. Costa Rica is one example, they said not going to do it. So this is the complexity of uh, the climate talks that is currently underway. And this is today, is, today uh, this is uh, November 9 and they would have taken up finance today. And what happened there, we will know a little later in the day or perhaps tomorrow, we will keep you updated on that. And mm, several, uh, the, the meeting will go on for another uh, 10 days or so. And lots of things are on the agenda. Hopefully something fruitful will happen. Thank you.